this is Laura. And you're listening to Dames Not Damsels. Dames Not Damsels. This episode, we are going to talk about um, books, books that shaped our childhoods. Um, we, we think it's very interesting um, just, you know, being those nerdy girls that we are. The, the books that when you're young, you kind of get your hands on and, and you know, how those, those things stick with you. Absolutely. Um, I will start. The book that really, the book that comes to mind, I should say, when I am thinking about um, my childhood and what I loved to read um, is probably, I think it's the first book that I ever bought, but um, during one of those little scholastic book days in elementary <laughs> school where they've got like the whole book store that comes for you to purchase books and stuff like that, I bought, it's called The First Dog. Hmm. Um, it's about this little boy that is living in like the ice age and there's like saber toothed tigers and mammoths <laughs> and stuff like that. And this wolf becomes his friend and basically he, I don't know, domesticates the dog. The dog is his friend and it's, I don't know, it was really cool. It was just Personally, that's the one that comes to mind when I think of the books of my childhood. That's the first one. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I, re- I remember those scholastic book fairs. That it was like the best day at yes. school. <laughs> you look forward to it. You save all your allowance. Always. Always. I, I think I was getting 50 cents per week at that time. And I stored that up for the, the scholastic book fair. If only we could still live off of 50 cents a week. <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice. <sighs> How about you? What's your what's your shape and book? I feel like I was really shaped by the Beverly Cleary series. Yes, um, those were such yeah, good books. Like Ramona and her mother and mm-hmm. Henry and Beezus. And I I remember getting super into it because um my my aunt had read them when she was little and I, I felt this like connection um to the past in a way. So I felt like I was being super retro even then. <laughs> Um, but I just remember thinking Ramona was so sassy and such a, a fun character to, to follow. Those were some of my favorite books, the Ramona books. <laughs> that, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, another one that comes to mind is the um, the Wrinkle in Time books. Yeah, that, those were really good. Um, to kind of play off of that, uh, another good series that really... I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily call it shaping, but <laughs> another really good series from uh, childhood would be the uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe books. Those were really good. They got turned into movies, which were kind of weird, but <laughs> <laughs> the books themselves were pretty great. And then like, there's like the whole story behind it where the author read it, wrote them one way, and then once the author passed away, everybody redid the um, actual timeline of them to make it make more sense. Mm-hmm. So like instead of when you go and you purchase them in a full set, it gives you the one, two, three, book one, two, three. Um, and they're actually incorrect. It's a different format that the author wrote them in. I didn't know that. That's kind of cool. Yeah. They're good ones. I'll have to, I'll have to look into that further. <laughs> do you know what, what the order is in or were they just kind of supposed to be standalone stories? I do. No, they're not standalone stories. They're the same people, um, like the same characters and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But when um, when the author passed away, the reason that they redid the number of books is because 
it just made more sense in a certain format so like starts out with all four of them being able to get in there and then the next one only three of them can get in um and then the one after that there's one of them that gets in the other three can't get into this other world and then um it comes back and then all th- all four of them are able to get back in again so what they did is they took them switched them around and made it so that it made more sense as to who could get in and like as they're getting older they're not able to actually get back into this world um so yeah just for more clarity in it they mm-hmm. rearranged it but that's not how the author intended gotcha. um so how do you how do you think the um the first dog how do you think that shaped you so the reason that I say that that one is the one that shaped me is because that is really what started my love for reading that I would go home and read that book like 40 or 50 times (laughs) just because I could and just because I loved the story so much and um when I was little animals were my whole entire world I wanted nothing to do with anything other than animals all the time (laughs) um I can relate to that feeling now yeah So, um, that's kind of why I think that that one really, really helped shape, shape me is because it really set the, uh, set the marker for what I enjoyed later on in life. Sure. I can see that. Yeah. I I had a book like that, that I would, um, I remember it was called, I think it was called a fly went by (laughs) and, um, I would go visit my grandparents and we would read that book over and over and over. And before I had even learned to read, I had that memorized or at least the storyline memorized so I would sit down with my grandparents and be like I'm gonna read you a story and then I think I would just say what I thought was happening on the page (laughs) (laughs) and I felt like I was a real real good reader at the time but I think I was just making things up but I think that was kind of what started started my love of stories and and being able to be enveloped in those worlds yeah absolutely and I think that that's kind of how, how it starts for everybody is they've got that one book and then it just really <laughs> sets sets the tone for um, their love of reading. Um, I think it's funny that you mentioned that the Beverly Cleary books were your favorite reason being is because when you're really little, you think, okay, Eric Carl books. Those were the ones that you'd see everywhere. And then as you got a little bit older, the Bev- Beverly Cleary books are kind of what took over mm-hmm. the slightly more forward the slightly better readers that's Mm -hmm. the word I'm looking for sure (laughs) um so yeah it just caught my attention (laughs) I think what I liked about those is I had this sense of sharing something with a family member and it was like a a shared world and I could go to that place that that she had already been and, I, and, you know, when you think about it, that's kind of all reading is, is you're going to a shared world. And when you go, hey, I just read the best book. You got to get in this. I think it's it's like opening Narnia up for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it is. It's it's a, an unspoken connection that you have with that person mm-hmm. is the the book. And I feel like that's why book clubs are so popular is because everybody wants to be connected in this one thing and you want to be able to discuss it with somebody. But if you've read a book and then somebody else hasn't and you try to talk to them about it, they're like, yeah, cool book story. I get that you're excited, but I don't know what you're talking about. That's actually where um, my my book club originated from. Shout out book club. I love you guys. Woo, book club. Um, 
I had a, a friend, Laura, and we would we would read books and then we would like kind of informally be like, OK, you have to read this. You, ha- you have to read this because I have a lot of things that I need to say and I need somebody to hear them and to respond to what I have to say. Um, so I found myself in a way writing like these book reports because I missed that feeling of sharing um, my experience. And slowly we started adding more and more people on and um and now we have this book club and now they're they're just like living all over the world. So we have like a shared message program where we go, hey, I'm reading this. Tell, tell me what your <laughs> thoughts are on it. That's really cool. So do you guys do like planned readings where like everybody grabs this one book and then you guys talk about it later? Or is it kind of just mm-hmm. like a, hey, here's my suggestion? We all take turns picking a book. And then um, what we do is we furiously read that book and the first person that finishes starts to harass the others via text message going hi I finished before you guys better hurry up and then as soon as everybody else has finished um we can have our our meeting so it's not a you know once a month thing if we're reading slow we might meet in a few few months for reading quickly we might meet in a few weeks um that's pretty cool yeah it's it's been a, a really special thing to have with them absolutely so um I think just one one interesting thing as far as being a female and, and having these books that shape us um, is, for instance, your favorite book. It's a, a male, a male character mm-hmm. and it's a, a male experience. And I noticed that that it seems like women are way more comfortable reading stories that aren't necessarily for them. What do you think about that? It's funny that you bring that up because me and my husband just had a conversation about this the other day where it's not easy for him to read books where the female is the main character just because he has trouble connecting with it and connecting with their feelings and their reasoning behind doing things Mm -hmm. so um we did we had a full conversation on it and i i do feel like it's much easier for women to read a book where the where there's a male main character um I could say the Harry Potter books, but of course there's Hermione, who's definitely a main character in it, but Harry himself is that main character, and Mm -hmm. there's millions of women who read that (laughs) and are totally fine with it and can connect with it, and it's easy for them to delve into the story. Um, Honestly, I think that it's just because it's a a precedent that we grow up with. Mm -hmm. Majority of books have male main characters, Mm -hmm. like a lot of books. <laughs> um, how about you? What are your thoughts on it? Well, first of all, I can't believe it took us all the way until the second episode to talk about Harry Potter. Um, we should have been talking about this all along. Should have been in the first episode somewhere. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think we, we've grown up listening to other people's stories, and so we're comfortable um, doing so. But I also think that that helps, at least for me, it helps me to be able to empathize with people who aren't me to to be able to step into their shoes and go okay I get that it's it's really interesting because there there are books where females are the main character but those aren't the like mandatory reading you know like mm-hmm. we're reading about um Colden Hoffield we're not reading about you know a, a lot of other female characters that we could be at least going growing up and going to school yeah um and I, I think that it's both beneficial and harmful because it's it's hard to not see your own story in front of you. Mm-hmm. It's hard to not feel like yours is a shared experience. And, you know, a lot of those books that we're reading growing up, the mandatory reading, the, the classics, those are universal sto- stories that could be told by anybody. But instead, we're hearing them from a white male perspective. 
Correct. And honestly, I mean, you you think about it and it's when you think of adventurers, the first thing that pops into your mind is a guy standing there with a shield and a sword <laughs> and he's adventuring and sure. having fun. And you're right. It is. It's sad that it's that way because there very well could be lady adventurers mm-hmm. or when you think superhero, you're going to think Superman. Cool. Mm-hmm. Last thing on your mind is a female superhero and i mean there are they're there but they're not superman they're mm-hmm. not harry potter they're it's definitely more subdued when it comes to women mm-hmm. why do you think that is uh just kind of going back to my my last point that it's it's been done that way for sure. thousands of years and it's difficult to have a switch like that where all of a sudden you're seeing more women. It's it's not going to happen as easily or as quickly. And what's funny about Harry Potter is a woman wrote those books. A woman wrote those books, but still found herself connecting more with a, a male main character than mm-hmm. a female main character. So it would it would be interesting to kind of pick um, pick her brain on that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and I wonder too, would Harry Potter be as as big as famous as? Um, big of a fandom had it been Harriet Potter that is a amazing question (laughs) that is an amazing question I don't think so yeah I in my in my heart do not think that he would or that it would be as popular of a fandom if it was a female main character sure I mean as listeners let us know do you know of a book that really shaped your childhood that had a female character in it that everybody knows and it's as popular or widely accepted as say Harry Potter or any other f- big famous books and stories and mm-hmm. I mean Game of Thrones even that's a fairly new one that has come around but main characters are mostly men mm-hmm. very true um, I think for for us in particular for the age that we are at there weren't a lot of female um, main characters, but now we're starting to get your Katniss Everdeen's and yeah. seeing some strong characters there. Um, but at the same time, she is considered male-oriented, male-thinking, male-action character who just happens to be female, rather than having that um, female interactions as well as being the strong character. It's like you just flip the gender and call her female. Yeah. Well, and then you think about it. Who are the people who like the Hunger Games? Mostly women. <laughs> I mean, okay. and it's even, it's action packed, like it, filled with all of the things that men love. And when the movies came out, I asked my husband if he wanted to go see him and he was like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> and I asked him if he wanted to read the books. Eh, I don't know. And it it's just funny because they, if they had chosen a male main character for that, it would have exploded. I mean, it's really, really similar to um, the most dangerous game Mm -hmm. where they hunt humans and stuff like that and where there's a male character. And I can guarantee you if I presented that book to a man and the Hunger Games, the first one that they're going to pick is the most dangerous game. Hmm, Interesting. (laughs) Oh, people killing other humans. Cool. (laughs) Oh, a girl that goes and defends herself and has to fight off other people and it's totally the same exact thing but there's a girl that's the main character i feel like men are a lot less likely Hmm. to to read those and and feel connected to them sure which is 
it's very interesting because I feel like, again, universal story, but it's not for me, so I'm not going to touch it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that starts out when you're very, very young. Um, first of all, you know, the, there's a blue section and a pink section for, for toys at the toy store. Um, and boys are taught you're not to play with those girl toys. And then this is your aisle. This is your aisle. And then we're given these books. And I think females are, are a lot more likely to, you know, pick up a book, you know, as a, as a child, pick up a book that's about a boy than, um, say, a boy would be to be caught dead reading The Babysitter's Club, mm-hmm. et cetera. Absolutely. I would not have read 80% of the books that I read if I chose simply based on what gender the main character was. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's definitely a lack of female main characters. And I'm not saying that we need to have this huge shift and all of a sudden all these books need to just be women main characters, but a little bit of balance would really be nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just don't think that that's going to happen very soon because, I mean, my husband is definitely not a male chauvinistic type person he definitely doesn't think oh men are much better than women Mm -hmm. but when you start talking about a movie or a book that is women-based or i guess with the woman main character Mm -hmm. he immediately thinks oh it's a chick flick right oh that's a girl thing i don't want that (laughs) (laughs) having known your husband it seems like he's getting better about that yeah he he is but it's still unintentional little things that trigger I guess that that thing that we all grew up with mm-hmm. let's talk about that um the the boy the blue versus pink aisles I'm really glad that you brought that up because that's actually pretty relevant now um now I think it was Target decided mm-hmm. to not label girls and boys toys mm-hmm. uh, they decided to take down those and people freaked out like oh my god <laughs> I can't believe that you're saying that my little boy can't go down the aisle that says boy toys. It has to be gender neutral. I don't understand why that was such a problem. Nothing changed. All they did was took down the label girls toys and boys toys. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very empowering to to have that ability to choose your, your individuality, not based on your gender role. Mm-hmm. Um, you can... can you know, like the the action figure toys, or you can like the Barbies, or you can, you know, want to go jump off of a jungle gym, or you can sit and re- read quietly in the corner. But I think that the personality of the child should should be more of a determination on on who they're going to be rather than what we tell them they should be. Absolutely, the one that I see the most and that really makes me happy is they've got a whole aisle now just for Legos. Uh-huh. And it's all different kinds of Legos. There's girls' Legos mixed in with the guys' Legos, and it it's wonderful because all a kid has to do is go, oh, I want Legos. Goes down that <laughs> aisle, picks out which one they like. It It's really not that big of a deal. It's not, it shouldn't be as huge as it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that you brought that up because that's definitely... A more prevalent um, situation. (laughs) Yeah, and I I wish that people would pick up books that have covers that are different from themselves. I think it's really important for everyone to experience, even just with a glimpse into another world, but other people's 
living situations, other people's opinions, other people's way of growing up. I think that that makes us a far more empathetic people. I think um, just having that quick glimpse can can show you that we're all we're all ex- experiencing the same human emotions. Um, gosh, I just think the world would be a better place if we all just read about other people. <laughs> Do you think that um, because there's more male main characters in books, less female main characters, and men are less likely to read the female books, that that's kind of why there's this stigma that women are impossible to understand and <laughs> that it's so difficult to figure out what a woman wants and stuff like that. Do you think that that kind of plays into that? Totally. Gosh, that's such a good question. Yeah, I think we feel like we totally understand the the male brain because we've been reading about the male brain since we were, you know, five and six years old. Mm-hmm. But men only had to start thinking about what women were thinking once they entered the dating world. Exactly. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> yeah, I think that I, I think that there's all these assumptions that come along with not knowing what the other person is thinking. When you don't have the answers, you start to fill in the blanks. You assume that they're thinking one way because all of these portrayals of women have us as very one-dimensional. So mm-hmm. when we you know, interact in a certain way, their experience is what they've seen or heard in the media. Absolutely. Do you think that books have kind of played a part in making women mysterious just because they're, like you said, more Mm one-dimensional versus having the main character where you literally know their thoughts as they're going through the book? Yeah, totally. Yeah, you never know what the the female character is thinking or she's just this, you know, good-looking sidearm candy, but she's not, she doesn't play a part in the, the plot except for to um, be a back backboard for the other character to say what they're thinking. Create a little love story here <laughs> with, a, with one lady. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, uh, gosh, I should look up the exact statistics on this, but it's um, a huge percentage of female lines in movies is just asking questions, asking men questions so that they can further their own plot line. And development of the male character. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I literally just thought of that question and I am really kind of kicking myself for not thinking about that earlier (laughs) (laughs) when it comes to how women are perceived as these mysterious people and like we've got no solid solid ground that we stand on or solid stances for anything and that men are just completely in the dark when it comes to understanding a woman and I feel like it should be so different it should be so different because we are not that difficult to understand yeah no I mean I get us Mm -hmm. absolutely I do I do as a girl I I understand girls (laughs) but no it it's crazy to think of it that way I'm really glad that we're talking about this because I didn't ever put that together and maybe that's why it is so much harder for a guy to read a main character women's story is because it's hard for them to step outside of their box and understand a woman's perspective on something. Mm-hmm. Mind blown. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy moments on dames, not damsels. <laughs> So we got a lot of really good feedback on our last episode, and I kind of wanted to touch on what we heard back from everybody. Yeah. Um, 
we had a lot of people say that they had no idea what D&D was and they were so stoked that we were talking about women in nerd culture and that even though they didn't understand D&D, they felt connected to what we were talking about um, just because it was something that they could take and make relevant to their life. So what are your what are your opinions on on our feedback? Um, yeah, I think that that's that's kind of the goal here is to, um, you know, much like when you read a story, you, you take one person's experience and you can apply it as a whole to um, to some of the different experiences out there. And, you know, even though you're not in D&D, in this uh, male-dominated D&D world, you're in this male-dominated workplace or um, uh, male-dominated media. Yeah. Um, one of the things that somebody had said, let me see if I can find it really quick here. Um, I sometimes wonder if I got away with or was discouraged by not being very good because I was a girl. I subconsciously was perceived and was perceiving myself as never being able to reach the level of the men, of the guys for whatever reasons. This same thing can happen to girls with subjects such as math or sports where they're considered less inclined or less naturally talented than boys, and they wanted to know what our thoughts were. This was Forrest um, on our Facebook page, um, and I feel like she really brought up a good point there. Um, it is very easy to feel like because we are perceived as less talented in math, sports, and whatever have you, th- that it's easy for us to kind of almost give up on ourselves and think, okay, well, yeah, I guess I'm not that good, so I'm not going to try as hard. Or mm-hmm. video games. Like, what happened with you in the store? Okay, well, it would be really easy for a girl to hear that and go, you know what? Well, now I don't even want to play. Mm-hmm. Now I don't want to learn. I don't want to try something new because I was just put down and told, no, this isn't for you. Mm-hmm. You're not as good as a guy, so this isn't for you. Right. I feel like that's really easy to get caught up in something like that. Sure. And it, and it's really easy to be told, uh, much like Forrest with the these video games, it's really easy to be told, oh, well, this is a boy thing, so, you know, you're probably not interested. And it makes you not interested. It makes you go, oh, okay, I guess, guess not. Mm-hmm. Guess just that's like, the case. Just like girls in football girls in high school football it's mm-hmm. it's unheard of and when there is a girl that gets put onto a football team everybody loses their minds about it and i it, it's sad really that girls are not given that faith basically mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. not given the faith to do something as well as a man and yeah. that starts in early ages you think of what a little boy does versus what a little girl does little girl mm-hmm. goes to dance little boy goes to karate and sure. that's that um, and, and I was lucky in that I was actually put into Taekwondo martial arts. Ooh, yeah. good analogy then. <laughs> um, and my, you know, I think part of it was that my brother was interested and it was just easier to take us to one sport than to take us to both sports. And um, and so I, I got to experience, you know, being in what uh, a sport that would be mostly male, but like getting to excel in it and to feel strong in it. And I think that that um, played a pretty big part in Um, growing up and being confident. Absolutely. I had the opposite experience. Um, I didn't grow up with younger brothers and sisters. I have them now, but they're much, much younger than me. And when I was going through 
um, my, my dance stuff, I was actually with my cousins, my guy and girl cousins, um, and their mom, kind of the same thing, didn't want to have to go to two different places, so she put all three of us in dance. So my male cousin got to be put into dance, and he really, really took to tap. He loved it. That's awesome. Yeah, and he would go out on stage, he would do the performances and stuff like that, and then as he got a little bit older... He started realizing that it was less boyish mm-hmm. and so his mom put him into self-defense and it oh. and it really did separate us at that point because he was over in karate we were in dance and it was no longer a fun thing for all three of us to go and do and that all three of us could go home and talk about and practice together and have fun because he was doing his own thing sure Um, and even now he is perceived as much more feminine than, um, everybody else. And he received a lot of bullying in high school for it, for kind of just being himself and being himself wasn't necessarily this super macho masculine man that everybody thinks that a man needs to be. And it's so sad because he's such a good person. He's Mm -hmm. a great person. Shout out Cameron if you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) What age was he put into self-defense instead of dance? Um, You know, I don't remember. I know we were really young. I'm pretty sure me and my um, female cousin, we were both, I think we were five, maybe six, and he's a year older than us. So he was about seven. And I think that he did one maybe two years of dance and then was put into self-defense but he wasn't in self-defense for very long mm-hmm. um i don't even remember if it was karate or taekwondo or sure. whatever it was that he did um but he didn't do it for very long and then we all kind of stopped going because our dance teacher got a little crazy <laughs> <laughs> um i i ask because it, it seems like there's a certain age where you're no longer a kid but you become that gender um, and it seems, it seems like it's about the time that we start being aware of, of our bodies that we're told that we need to start behaving in a certain way. What do you think about that? I, I definitely agree. Um, I feel like it starts in elementary school. You get to the age where your hormones, hormones are starting to kick in and, everybody's looking at who their love interests are and what they think of themselves and stuff like that and I feel like that's kind of when there's a the divide starts to happen Mm -hmm. um when men are supposed to be macho and women are supposed to be girly giggling in the corner at the guy that they like (laughs) and the boys are chasing the girls around the playground that they're interested in it's um I do think that you make a really good point there that There's a certain age where we all start to kind of become more self-aware, and as soon as that happens, we feel like we're obligated to fall into a certain category. Totally. And gosh, that seems like such a young age to have to start doing that. Mm -hmm. And we do it without even noticing, without even thinking that this is what I'm making Mm-hmm. Uh, it, or this is what I'm doing is I'm putting myself into this specific category and being viewed as this one specific thing versus feeling safe mm-hmm. um, to just kind of be yourself. Because, yeah, there's definitely I have like this strange memory in the depths of my mind of just being just being a kid. Mm-hmm. And it didn't matter who I was hanging out with and what we were doing. We were just all sharing the experience of being young and seeing something for the first time. 
And then all of a sudden we kind of have to drop into these categories that I don't think are necessarily that helpful. I completely agree. Completely agree. And I mean, it makes me wonder how much different I would be today if that didn't happen or how much different my male cousin would be today if he wasn't made fun of for those things, if Mm -hmm. he was literally just given the opportunity to be himself. Mm -hmm. What would have changed or how different would he be? Would he have gone down a different path? Would he be more open about who he really is around people that he doesn't know and stuff like that? It's just, it's a good thought on on what differences would be, would show Mm -hmm. today if that wasn't the case. Yeah, if we were just free to unabashedly be ourselves and and leap into those things that that make us happy. Yes, I think that that's a really good point. (laughs) So what do you think our, our action items are here? What do we do? How do we live as free as we want to be without those constraints? So it's easy now for us to look back on it all and be like, you know what, I'm just not going to put up with that anymore. That That's not how this is going to be. And it it's easy for us to make those decisions now that we're older, we know what's going on in the world, mm-hmm. we know what our own opinions are on things. So I think it's pretty easy to feel a little more comfortable being ourselves. Um, it does definitely make me look at my daughter a little differently mm-hmm. now that we've talked about all of this. Um, and how I want her to be raised, what I want her to grow up feeling. And I I know for damn sure that I want to make sure she it feels as comfortable as possible being herself. Mm-hmm. Not just saying it, because you hear it all the time from parents. Oh, just be yourself. You're fine. You're great. Be yourself. But I want to make sure that she doesn't ever feel put down for being a girl. Mm-hmm. I agree 100%. What about you? What are your, what are your actions? Um... You know, there's some some really cool projects out there. Uh, I recently read about a little girl um, who started a project. It's called 1000 Black Girls, um, and that's hashtag 1000 Black Girls Books. Um, And it's a campaign led by a little girl who was not seeing enough of herself being represented. Um, And so they're they're starting to get some more books with females in it and some more people of color um, and encouraging people to read these experiences. And I think... I think that's where our action item is. I think that's, you know, how how we help each other and how we start to understand each other is um, feeling represented and and sharing our experiences. And I think that's such a such a beautiful thing. Yeah, absolutely. I've never heard of that. So I'm, I'm glad you told me about that. But you're right. It is the best way to go to move forward is to call attention to the issue and then mm-hmm. do your best to not fall into that one category to to make that change in in seeing more of what you want to see yeah and and being true to you i think is the best way to feel strong in your skin mm-hmm. and um to see other people seeing you feel strong in your skin yes. is a big one too yes absolutely okay so we barely talked about the books that shaped us but we'd want to hear from you guys what what books actually shaped you how do you think that you were influenced by what you read and and how did that affect your gender dynamic? Let us know if there's a specific book and we will definitely touch on it in our next episode. Thanks guys. Thanks for listening. This has been a, we kind of moved across the board here on this one, but um, it was a fun episode and I'm, I'm really glad that we talked about a lot of the things that we did. It was pretty eye-opening even for 
me and I'm <laughs> the one talking about it. <laughs> um, so we hope you enjoyed it. Please leave more feedback. We really liked the feedback that we received on this our first episode. So um, your feedback is definitely welcome. Please give us the feedback. Very much so. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.